Good evening, everyone. We'll, as usual, take a few moments to let people come in. I, uh, I hope everyone had a great day today. We've got a special guest with us this evening, uh, Mr. John Pape from Curis. Um, we'll let John uh, tell us what he does, but uh, he's, he's pretty much head of most, uh, most merchandising and uh, probably uh, procurement or acquisition, whatever you want to, whatever you want to say. Um, but we're, we're excited. John, how, how are you doing? Steve? Oh, I'm really good. Good. We're, we're out in the, out in the fields. Yeah. We can't uh, get any better than I that. I say this is going to be a great one because see, this is what I like about when we started this podcast, we wanted it to be natural, transparent, spontaneous. That's what this is. John drove from uh, Oskaloosa, Iowa, came here to our farm today. And uh, we are sitting in the middle of one of our bean fields. So this is perfect for what we want to talk about. So, John, again, thank you. And then I got to st start. I'm going to start today like I do every other, other, every other one. Giddy up. Let's go. John, what is on your mind right now? Yeah, I mean, on the way over here, Rick, it was really about soybeans on, my, on the way over. Okay. And, and you know, not only um, the markets not getting a lot of um, support, but also just, you know, as we get into the first of August through September 15th, that's really the bean time of year and we need rain. Yeah. And we're not getting rain everywhere. We're getting some, but we need some rain to make sure this crop that we've got finishes out. It's important. Well, let's just stay right there for a minute. I mean, this is frustrating. Uh, we have a lot of viewers that are going to watch this. They're in parts of the country that are just absolutely burning up. They're watching yield disappear by the day, by the hour, if not the day. And the market just seems to not care. So help us understand. It's not that the market doesn't care. It's kind of what you just said and, and some other factors. So go a little deeper here. Right. Yeah, the, the market's not getting a lot of support uh, from the tax, from the funds right now. Mm -hmm. So they're, they're not supporting the market in an upward trend. They're, they're seeing it more on a downward trend. And so then on top of it, you've got the, you know, right now they're really not considering the weather a lot because typically, you know, we always think about the weather all of August and the first part of September on soybeans. And we're not there yet. So even if we're dry in some places and we might need a little rain, they're not really talking about it or putting that in the market, really. Yeah. And then on top of it, it appears that the crush industry in the U.S. Uh, currently right now has, has got enough bushels of old crop to get them through until this new crop comes. So there are no more buyers. Right now, there, right now there's not a lot of buyers. Right. So when you get to that position, I mean, a market will typically turn when there's no more sellers. Correct. Well, apparently we still have sellers. Yes. So, uh, and they're they're very freely about selling because uh, again today beans were down thirty cents and corn was down I don't know eighteen or twenty. Right. Now here's here's you know I don't want to go real deep on this because I'm not an expert trader. But well, and it may already be happening. The funds may already be heading toward being a net short position. That's correct. They could be wanted to go that way. And if that's the case, it's going to take a lot to turn that around. Yeah, we went down near some lows for November. Yeah, you know, we're getting down there near the lows. So, yeah, we we're going through 200 day moving averages headed for 100 day moving average. I mean, this is getting pretty critical. Here. This is getting critical. Yeah. But we like you said, 
if we should stay hot and dry the first three weeks of August, look out. This thing's going to turn around. It can turn around then. And we're and we're calling some heavy heat. Yeah. You know, in Iowa, Saturday, we're supposed to be 102. Yeah, that's a lot. And we're not even in August yet. That's a lot. Well, folks, let's let's talk a little bit about where we're sitting here, John. This is one of our bean fields that that um, this is our system here. Mm -hmm. Cover crop based, no tillage. Uh, we're planting beans now. You know, you've got things like uh, uh, medium medium red clover here that we do not not plant this this is now starting to just come back on right. its own yep we did have livestock here two years ago and i think the livestock with them stepping out here they're pooping the manure the way they eat they tear the plant their saliva it starts to bring these clovers back right. that's what we're seeing i've never planted this species of clover in my life right and here it is and there it is coming and, and now this field is nine years no chemical that's correct nine wow. years wow Nice. Part of the disadvantage of being outside, we've got a cowboy just flying by in a diesel pickup. It's okay. It's all right. But yes, I know you can't see all the field, but you, you see through where we're sitting, and the weed pressure is very minimal. I mean, this is yep. very acceptable. Yes. And we've had no tillage or chemistry for nine years. Wow. Yeah. So, um, this is exciting to me. Yeah. Now let me tell. Let's let's keep talking about this field for a moment. Okay. When we had our plan for last fall, we came out and we were putting down 130 to 150 pounds of Albon rye with our no-till drill, mm -hmm. seven and a half inch spacing, and let's get this stuff to, to grow a little bit in the fall. Let's go into dormancy in the, in the winter, come out of dormancy, take off tiller and away we go. Right. Now our goal here, John, is to get eight, nine, 10,000 pounds of biomass. Yep. We got 2000 this year. Yep. The rye winter killed, it hasn't tillered. So here we are, we have hardly any rye to protect us. That's correct. So what I decided to do was go to plan X and we decided to drill these beans. Mm -hmm. Seven and a half inch spacing, we upped the population to 240,000. Mm -hmm. We're trying to get the density of the soybean to hold the weeds down. Right. Okay, then the other thing we did here that we didn't do on any other farm is we came in when these beans were at V1, so they were about this tall, mm -hmm. and we flail chopped this field right over the top of the bean. Now that can be good and it can be bad. Sometimes when you flail chop over the top like that, you've now taken away what little bit of above ground you had, and now you've opened up sunlight for everything to come. Not only yeah. the cash crop, but weeds and grass. Right. We've been we're doing okay though. I mean, it's not yeah. bad. Yep. No, it is it's not. not bad. So that's kind of the history of, of where we are on this field. Um this is what we're trying to do to be what I call regenerative, which means take everything away. Right. So let's talk about your company now, Purus. You folks are very deep into regenerative. You're trying to either A, train farmers to do this or find farmers that are doing it. Right. Go ahead and let's talk through not only your pea side, but your soybean side. Right. 
on the on the pea side, we're probably known more on the regenerative side because peas are a very regenerative crop. You know, um, not only regenerative, but the government calls it regenerative, and we know they are. They build lots of nitrogen. They protect the soil. Obviously, you're the soil guy, so we're protecting the soil. Um, yeah. Also, tremendous suppressors of wheat. Tremendous suppressor. Of wheat. Yeah, because you've got such a heavy stand. Mm -hmm. They grow quickly. Cover like and a big cover. blanket. Yeah. yeah, it's just like a big blanket. It's like a big blanket, and you're suppressing those weeds. You know, we we've um, started a program down south uh, with Regen uh, with cotton. Um, so we're putting in peas early, taking them off, then putting cotton in behind. Uh, regenerative uh, money there for producers, and then also um, they're getting two crops. So the way So you have a Purist has a regenerative program mm -hmm. that's going to pay a premium to the farmer to farm in a regenerative mass. That's correct. Okay. It'll be peas and cotton. Okay. Combination. And cotton needs nitrogen. Peas are fixing nitrogen. That's correct. Creating a lot of nitrogen. Yeah. More nitrogen than soy does. So they're creating a lot of nitrogen. That's awesome. And we we um, we partnered uh, with our uh, joint JV partner Cargill in it. So Cargill is working with us in that program. Okay, so let's do this from beginning to end. The farmer, is, or how are they prepping their field? Is this strictly no-till, or are they doing a little bit of light tillage when they plant the peas? They're doing some really light tillage. Okay, uh, you know peas need really good seed-to-soil contact. Yeah, that's what we always talk about. We like that, and that, and if you can get good seed-to-soil contact. You get a good stand, and the peas are off to the race. Probably plant them what an inch, inch and a half deep. Yeah, sometimes we will go as much as two. Okay, but an inch and a half is going to be a you know the standard. Okay, but sometimes we will go a little deeper depending on the soil and conditions. So in the south, this is what time period? What is this? February. Uh, they're going to be putting these peas in, and we've seen the end of December oh. through the first part of January. Okay, and then they'll take them off in May and go in with the cotton behind. That's, that's awesome. So they get two crops, regen, nitrogen. Obviously, nitrogen is not cheap. Right. We all know about that. No matter what form you buy it, whether right. you're buying it for organic or you're buying it conventionally or commercial type nitrogen. Yeah. Okay. And, and we that may continue to go up. It's not going down yet. No, I've got some charts that I've built for my presentations, and I I built these on May the first, mm -hmm. and the nitrogen value on May the first was a dollar one per unit of N. I think today it's a dollar fifteen. So I need to update those those slides again. Mm -hmm. But I'll tell you what, you know, I want to come back to this regen cotton program in just a minute. But I'll tell you, I, I'm very thankful that the farmer was able to get all the inputs they needed for 22. But, John, I am concerned for 23 because there's a big difference now. In 22, most of the fertilizer was located in the country or the world where it needed to be to be then sent to the retail to go to the farmers. Right. Those positions are empty right now. That's correct. This is going to be a big problem because a lot of our inputs come out of China and Russia. Yeah. And they're starting to play some hardball with us. Yep. And Russia especially. I mean, we have sanctions against them. So please take heed and start thinking about sourcing whatever inputs you're going to need for 23. Yes. But if we were to start farming... Maybe not the way uh, we do here at Clark Land and Cattle, where we've taken everything away. But John, let's let's come halfway. Right. Let's implement your P program. Let's take fifty or sixty pounds of credit. Let's save ourselves fifty pounds of synthetic in. That's easily sixty dollars an acre. Yes. And we're being a good steward, and we're starting to farm regeneratively. Right. I don't see anything wrong with it. 
Nope, nope. And you always told me the first time I ever met you, Rick, you just wanted guys to, to convert 40 or 80 acres over and start yeah. trying to save the soil. Yeah. So that's how you got to start. That's right. That's right. So now let's go back to this regen program. Okay, so are your are your growers in, in the south, can they combine these peas with a with a draper head or you the windrow, let them air dry and then pick them up with a pickup head? Um, typically what we've seen is the straight head is the best. Straight head, straight old, that. straight old uh oh, you mean with an auger on it. Yeah, yeah, just a straight head. You know, with a sickle on yep. it, just not nothing fancy. Yep, that's what we've seen the best. You can run the fastest speed with those. So the peas can mature on their own, mature on their own, and then you harvest them like you would a field of soybeans. That's correct. Okay, all right. So now we have a nice, beautiful stubble field. You've taken the peas away. Yep. Are they going to no-till their cotton now into that stubble? I think some of them will consider the no-till, but some of them might make a one-pass, you know, okay. level it out Another, just to make sure. Another shallow inch and a half, two inches. Yeah. 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 Level it out, get it nice and level, and then get that cotton in. Because I know in the cotton side, they you know these cotton machines are really expensive anymore and, and they want to make sure they get some you know stuff level. Right. Now I know that the pea is a great source of fixing nitrogen, which then becomes organic mm -hmm. and is now very stable in the system. Like I understand that. But what about the pea? giving you um, um, a, a, a disease pressure now relief against the cotton that's now being planted. Are you seeing that you don't need to spray the cotton as often? I don't know what chemicals are sprayed. Mm -hmm. I've just heard cotton gets sprayed once a week for I don't know how many weeks. Yeah, we think it will, it will lessen that. Yes. Yeah, we're not sure how much, but we do think it will lessen that. Okay, yeah. And then we've also talked about you know, John, you and I have a very good relationship. We've known each other now about four years. Um, you've also got a thoughts and maybe studies on peas and potatoes. Mm -hmm. Talk, I mean, I know we're kind of jumping around here, but tell me about, because see the potatoes again, you're not supposed to come again. I don't grow potatoes, but I don't think you're supposed to come back to a field for three years. Yeah. Right. Okay. So talk through the potato guys you got on the peas. Yeah, so we've had uh, growers produce potatoes. Um, when they do the uh, peas in the rotation, they've been able to come back to potato production quicker. Normally, it's a four-year rotation. They can move it to a three-year rotation. Um, not only does it give nitrogen, but it also, you know, peas clean up the soil. Is it like an inoculant? Is that That's the right word? No, it's like a mop. It's like a mop. It's like a mop out of the soil. Filter. Yeah, it's like a big filter. It's a mop getting all the bad stuff out of the soil. Okay. That's what peas like to do. Okay. You know, their roots aren't, you know, really, really deep. They're shallow. They spread out and they, you know, very good root mass. Now, another thing we've also got to consider about uh, legumes and pea is a legume. We need to inoculate these things. That's correct. And I'll tell you what, John, I have been, I have been very, very stubborn in our journey through this regenerative uh this, you know quest that we're on mm -hmm. i am going to sit here and tell anybody that wants to listen to this do not be as stubborn as i've been and please get some biologicals get some inoculants and start this on day one when you're transitioning out of high tillage and you're going to see the change yes. much quicker than i did yes and I mean, we're here, but it's taken a lot longer to get here. Yes. So let's talk about 
you know, we're using inoculants now. Of course, we always have ones repeat. Yeah. I've never inoculated a bean in my life. Right. Until this year. I convinced you. And you did. <laughs> and John, these beans are inoculated. Yes. And what do we use? Yeah, you're using the, the Visijon product. The Visijon. It's yeah, Omri approved. Omri approved. Yeah. And it's a special rhizobia for soybean. That's correct. Yeah. And peas have a special rhizobia also. That's right. So you can't use the same one for peas or for soy. They're individually yeah. separate. And then I believe we need to inoculate lentils. Yes. And and hairy vetch. Yeah. Chick chickpeas. Chickpeas. Yeah. All these things need that rhizobia. Yes. Now, do you think that there would be a day that would come that we wouldn't need to do that inoculation? No, I, I just think we're going to have to. Um, you know, again, you're trying to make nitrification and these crops do that, but they need assistance. They need the rhizobia to do it. Yeah. Um, if it's not in the soil, you know, you, you've got to give it to them. Now, sometimes it's going to be in the soil, but it's going to be hard in this soil because this has been timber soil yeah. for nine, you know, up until nine years. I mean, it's yeah. been timber soil. Yeah. It, it's not out here. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, you, you know, again, I'm very stubborn and I feel like we've got the biology growing. But there's certain sectors of the microbial biome that have been turned on or turned off because they don't have a job anymore. That's correct. And by doing, I mean, there's a little bit of grass here. Yes. But it hasn't affected. And John, I don't need 80 bushel beans. That's right. I mean, if we start to look at the ROI, which is what I preach all the time. Yes. We've got. $35 an acre invested in soybean seed. We've got $30 an acre invested in cover crop from last fall. Mm -hmm. That's 65. We've got some, some uh, $25 to, to get this stuff planted. Uh, we're up to 90, uh, maybe another 30. You know, we got a roll cramp or, or flail chop. So let's get to $120. Mm -hmm. Well, these are organic certified soybeans. We're going to get paid, let's say, $38 a bushel for them. Let's say they make um, 35. I don't know what that math is because mm -hmm. I picked some pretty hard numbers to do that on. It's over but it's over a thousand dollars. Over a thousand dollars. Take out the 300 I came up with. We're left with a net of $700, and we're being good stewards to the ground. We're we're being uh, we're building soil health. We're building human health because yes. we're no longer handling all those caustic pesticides and herbicides. Mm -hmm. So this is exactly what Purus is looking for. Mm -hmm. This is your alignment, your future. So tell us about the future of your pea protein and tell us about the future of your soybean protein. Right. Um, you know, on the pea protein, uh, we've been in a you know, very big growth um, with the pea protein. Um, at a very fast, fast rate. We just brought in our second plant um, in September of uh, last year. And, um, you know, it's come online. Um, it, it, you know, in full capacity and full size, that can produce, you know, approximately 50% of the pea protein that the U.S. needs. Um, you know, we've just been taking care of the U.S. demand now for both of our and uh, you're, facilities. You're number one. Yeah, we're, we're, yeah, we have two. We're the only one that have two facilities in yeah. North America. Yeah. We have two isolate plants for peas in North America, one in Wisconsin, one in Minnesota. And these, I mean, these plants are, are food grade oh, plants. Yeah. So, I mean, it is, 
you have special air systems, you have yep. everything. Hair nets, the coats, the everything. Boots, it's the, high tech. Yeah, high, yeah. 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 Yep. Yep. And so, you know, with that growth, we're we're on a very fast growth pace. Now again, the soy side is much bigger than peas. Peas sure. is a little speck sure. compared to soy, but peas are peas are coming on. You know, and, and you know what we see and why is that? Well, what we've seen is it's the most natural, what we call clean protein, the pea. clean product. Yes. Okay. Yep. And so even when we, you know, so if you look at what peas are made up of, they're made of protein, starch, carbohydrates, whatever you want to call it, yeah. and fiber. Yep. So, you know, we're not uh, bleaching any of the starch. It's well, naturally beautiful. snow white. That's beautiful. You know, and the pea protein is very clean. So now hang on here. So you've got a product that you can extract off of protein. You can extract off a of carbohydrate. Yes. And the fiber. And the fiber. That's correct. So now you've got markets that people want just fiber. That's correct. And people just want protein. That's correct. I would assume dairy wants protein. Yeah. Yeah. Dairy wants protein. Obviously, we're putting as much of it in the food industry as we can. You know, you, you know, the Beyond Meat, um, sure. you know, some of the different things that we're in. But we're in, you know, over 200 different items in the store, you know, as a clean protein um, on the starch side. You know, maybe something like soups, yep. you know, can go into, but there's lots of opportunities, lots of different places you can put that in. And in fiber, you know, the, the best there is human. You right. know, if you can put it into the human side, that's where you want to be. You got fiber and protein right in here. That's right. I saw you mix it today. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what, John, when you get it to that point, the shelf life is long. It's yes. long. Yes. So now you've taken somewhat of a, of a, determinant shelf life mm -hmm. and now created probably tenfold yeah you yeah you create a long shelf and life. now you can transport this stuff too yes you can transport it it's not fragile yeah you know so when you look at protein overall if you look at animal protein and you know we know protein is needed in a large amounts of it and we're all about protein independence and feeding people right so it's not that that plant protein is the best and meat protein isn't all proteins need it yeah and, and some people like plant more than they like meat protein, sure. but it's all, it's all necessary. Yeah. And I don't think your goal here is to eliminate the, no. the beef industry. No, that's no, not no, the goal. No. It's just to fill a niche that's in the marketplace. There are consumers out there that would prefer protein coming from another source. That's correct. That's all it's about. Yeah. I mean, and if you look at McDonald's, uh, mom pulls up to McDonald's and the kids all get a burger and she gets the soy or the pea burger. Yeah. And then she's eating the healthy she wanted. Yeah. And the kids eat whatever they want. Yeah. You know, they can have the hamburger. Yeah. So everybody gets what I, they want. I, yeah. It, this is not about trying to no. eliminate one industry over no. another. No. No. It's just trying to adapt to what the consumer wants. That's correct. Yeah. That's all this is about. All right. So uh, you've got a new plant in is the, it da Dawson. In Minnesota. Or, uh, Dawson, Minnesota. Minnesota. Yeah, Dawson. And is this peas only? This is peas only. It's an isolate plant. Okay. It's actually Explain what that word isolate. What's isolate. That mean? So it's you could say isolated protein or isolated starch or isolated fiber. So what this okay. plant does, and we can go through the steps. Yeah, do so it. So if I if I bring peas from your farm, what we do? So we bring peas from your farm, Rick. I've got to run them through a cleaner to make sure there's no rocks or mm -hmm. sticks, a bolt, a cell phone wrench. Not that you do that at all. We've seen it. <laughs> You've seen it We've all. We've seen it all. It's all there. You got magnets, I'm sure, too. Yeah, we got magnets to pull everything out, the yeah. steel, yeah, whatever. Yeah. So we clean it first there. But then then what we do is we dry it and de-hole. Okay. So we're taking the hole off and we're drying it down to get the hole off. 
So when you hit, we when set, you introduce a little bit of heat that holds it pop. Yeah, it, it typically pops okay. off fairly easy. All right. And and there are some machines to help do that also. Okay. So this is a dry. Uh, you're doing this dry, and we have two facilities in the U.S. that does just those parts. So then what we do is dehull it. We then um, uh, grind or you know make flour into the pea, what I call the meat. Right. You take the hole off. Now you got the meat. So you take that off. You separate off the hole. The hole is then a lot of fiber. So you can grind that up as fiber right there. So then what we do is we grind that flour and then we take that flour in totes up to the isolate plant. Okay. We introduce, put the flour in and introduce that into water. So you're introducing water. So now we're in a wet plant. Okay. We were in a dry plant. Now we're in a wet plant. You introduce that with water and you more or less it's kind of a fancy way of centrifuge. So what you're doing is you're spinning out that what the peas are made of protein, starch or carbohydrate or whatever you want to call it and fiber okay. and you're spinning them out into separate streams. Wow. So then you have three streams and then what you do is you bring back those streams in liquid form and put them through big dryers. When I say big dryers, they're big. And then that dries it into a powder, factory powder. And then it goes into the powder form. That's the form you can move it, put it into whatever you need to, mix it, whatever you want. Yeah. There you go, right there, right in the shape. That's correct. Yeah, I do two of these today. Yep. Protein, fiber, minerals, vitamins. It's all in here. And your greens. And my greens. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. too. Twice a day. <laughs> yep. Um. Okay. So now let's go to soybean. How? Is the processing of a soybean different than that? Um, it's very similar. You're doing almost the exact same thing. Isolate plant, uh, introducing it back into a wet, uh, you know, form and creating isolate. So, so how are you getting the oil? Is there okay? First of all, you do have to take. The is oil there out. An oil in a pea? There is virtually no oil okay. in a pea. But in a soybean, there is like there, 11, 11 well, pounds per. Well, you can have anywhere from eleven to twenty percent oil. Oh, really? In soybeans, yeah. Okay, they, so they can you, be made up of that. How do you get rid of? Is it an extruder? How do you do the oil? Yeah, you can extract the oil. Okay. Um, we we do have a system that you could leave it in and process it with it in, oh. or you can take it out. Okay. So there's a couple different ways you can do soy. Obviously, mm -hmm. soy's been around a long time. Sure. And so there's different technologies and patents and. You know, different companies have created different ways to do it. So you can do it both ways. Okay. But you're more or less doing the same thing, creating a stream, you know, and putting it back in. Okay. But we also do a lot of soybeans, you know, into like the sprouting industry. Uh, we do it into making tofu, miso soups, mm. those kind of things too. Okay. So not just strictly an isolate type of program. Okay. All right. Now, uh, soy nuts, we do those too. Okay, so you put them into products. This is where you're now getting to a clear height, what I mm -hmm. would call a clear height. That's correct. And typically, I, or maybe not typically, but always, I think a clear height would be would be food grade, right? Right. That's correct. Okay. You know, and and the reason that the the dark hyalin isn't in as food as much, the reason is because that speck can then get into the food and show in your product. So then when you put in the food, you think maybe the mice have been the in there. Consumer's vision sees that speck and thinks, uh-oh, what isn't did that, the mice do? Isn't that crazy? That's crazy. Yeah. And it's just the bean, it's the hilum. <laughs> so that's why more clear hilum are in the food side. Now, there are, there are darks in the in the food side, you know, with, with customers mm -hmm. that, that don't have a problem with that. Mm -hmm. So that's why more of the clear hilums have been in the food side. Because of that speck. I'm glad you explained that. I did not know that. Yes. I did not know that. Okay. So um, 
Well, I just had a thought and I lost it. Oh, I got it. Okay, I want to go down again. Both both ways are peas and soybeans. Mm -hmm. You guys not only are the largest pea processor, mm -hmm. and is it the world or the United States? Well, let's North, just say the world. Well, I'll say North America. North America. Got to be careful. Okay, <laughs> North, America. North America. But you guys also have your own genetics. That's correct. So talk us through. You know, don't get down to you can't you can't give us the nitty gritty on it. But how long have you been uh, been producing your own genetics, and you keep you keep changing and making them better? Correct. What are you adapting toward those types of things? Well, the, the family that, that started uh, Pura uh, has started breeding soybeans in 1985. 1985. 1985. So Jerry um, had went to Iowa State. Um, he'd done interns and worked with Pioneer and Asgro both. So he learned the breeding side from a lot of those older gentlemen now. You know, some of them passed away, obviously. Right. Um, so he learned the breeding side. So what he thought is he thought that we would run out of protein in 1985. And that we were going to get a larger population, and the population was growing at such a fast pace. How are you going to feed everybody? That's obviously, yep, yep. Obviously, if you don't have protein and water, we are here today. Right. Now I can get by without one of your John Deere tractors over here, right. even though I like it. Right. <laughs> but I, yeah. but I, I can get by without that. You can manage. Yeah. yeah, I can manage without it, but you can on protein. So what he thought then is he wanted to develop varieties of soybeans that would be good for the food to feed people someday. Okay. Now, obviously in 1985 in Iowa, they thought he was crazy because they were using soybeans to feed pigs, which obviously they weren't. Yeah. So why would you do that? So what he did is he started developing for the nutritional trade traits. So, he, okay. so his, his motto is if it doesn't yield, it doesn't matter, but you look at nutrition along with the yield and, and what you can put it out in the field. So you look at both. So he started breeding then. Um, you know, he was named in 2007 by the government as one of the largest uh, germplasm holders of soybeans in, in the world. Wow. Yeah. Um, wow. You know, over 600,000 varieties. Oh, my gosh. That's, that's a good example. Approximately that many in that neighborhood. Oh, my gosh. Now, in um, 2000, we started breeding peas. Now, the reason we were breeding peas, and I was helping Jerry with this, we were breeding peas as a cover crop. We never knew it would be for protein. We never had an idea that we could use it for protein. Okay. We were trying to get a cover crop, a fast cover crop, to protect the soil, put it in early, and then the organic growers could terminate it yeah. and put in their crop yeah. and build nitrogen also. So that's why we were breeding peas. So we are the only um, company in the U.S. that holds any pea patents. So you've heard of corn patents wow. and soy patents. Oh, yeah. yeah, we're the only ones that have any pea patents. That's crazy. And, and some of the, a few of the varieties that we've developed that we have a patent on are very unique um, to uh, weather and conditions. And so uh, this variety handles the south much better than any other oh. variety of peas. Because okay. normally peas are a northern grown variety okay. and developed with breeders in the north, not in the south. Okay. So that's a, diff that's a lot of the difference of that variety. So, you know, well, that's, that's very interesting. And I've always looked at it also mm -hmm. as a augmentation to a cocktail right. or something that you're doing but we're trying to use these peas now and and by the way these are yellow yellow peas yellow yes. field field peas. yellow peas yeah, yeah that's yeah. what the government would call them yeah yeah so we are trying here and and I, I i preach about this when i go to the northern states to use these as a pea that you could plant into a cold environment mm -hmm. 
they survive the winter and then you come out next spring and you've got them starting to grow early and and starting to fix nitrogen and starting to suppress weeds mm -hmm. then we can come in and plant corn right into these standing peas correct this is what would be you know the summit of, of everything if we could do this mm -hmm. we tried it last year and, and folks we try to be transparent with everything everything that we do isn't perfect yeah. we put out a few hundred acres of these peas last fall they didn't work they didn't survive the winter we had the wrong scenario we were cold we were wet and we had no cover so the peas simply winter killed so be it we came out in the spring we replanted the peas in the spring and then planted corn right into the peas. Same day. Peas planted first, corn planted right into it same day. Yeah. We're getting along pretty good. Yep. And again, this is not about winning the yield contest. This is about maximizing your ROI. And if we now shift over to corn for a moment, we're getting paid. 11 to 12 dollars a bushel mm -hmm. so 120 bushel corn is very attractive mm -hmm. at those levels yes well with the peas we're going to take 60 to 80 pounds yes we've almost got enough nitrogen now right with the system we've got in place we're going to mineralize another 40 or 50. so we're now over a one-to-one -one relationship with nitrogen to yield that's all we need john yes We've become regenerative. We're using your pea to now become the fuel for the corn. And we can now increase the time window of the northern states of when they can plant a legume. Because we planted these things all the way up until the ground freezes. Thanksgiving, December 1st, somewhere in that area. Mm -hmm. We plant them deep, three inches. Correct. and let them lay down there and just hang out yep so let's talk through what do you think now that that you know what's happened again we're transparent about this what what's got john's wheel spinning on how do we make that better next time yeah i you know the weather you know environment has been you know very unusual when yeah. we were growing up rick we'd get an inch rain yeah. and we think we had a good rain. Yeah. Now we get a two inch or a three inch rain at one time. Yeah. You know, and you're like, wow, two or three inches. That, that seems like a lot of water all of a sudden. And, and not much of it goes in the ground. And a lot of are doing it this way. That's correct. A lot of it gets, you know, the soil gets moved out. Yeah. And, um, you know, so we, we think that, you know, we could, you know, continue and maybe develop varieties that could potentially handle the cold even more. Yeah. You know, we have, done it where it survived the winter okay and made it now that's not all the time so we've got to be really careful yeah and 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 know that that's been an issue but we've also succeeded at it but not enough that we want to promote it or or do it more we're you know again trialing yeah and we got to be careful here we're not saying to do it to call john tomorrow yes and say send me a hundred acres worth of cold tolerant peas yes correct. that's we were doing some beta testing for purists I hadn't talked about it until up until the point of when it, it looked like it wasn't going to work. Then I freely started, and I had your permission to then start mm -hmm. to talk about it because we have to let people know what works and what doesn't work. Right. But I'm telling you, the peas in the spring, 
and then going with corn into that looks very, very promising. It does look promising. Here, here, your tap. Yes, it does. Yeah, yeah. So, what, what else? What else have we not talked about? What have we missed here? What have we missed? You want to talk more about markets? Yeah, we could talk more about markets. I mean, I think people are very upset. Might be a good word to use. Right. The mark. The, it, you know, it, it's like the markets don't care. But let's go. We got to go deeper. There's more than just what's happening out your back door or out in Iowa or wherever. Correct. We've got the world. We've got Putin now disrupting everything. We've got ch tensions with China. I mean, what do, what do you think here? Um, you know, we're in a, uh, a different paradigm. I mean, it's, it's, it's very unique on what we're seeing and all the different things that are going on. So yeah. it's really hard to analyze it. If you look at, um, you know, I have some friends in the funds, the, the trade funds. Obviously, you know some too, Rick. Mm -hmm. and, and right now, they're sitting out on the sidelines. Yeah. They're, they're not getting in at all. They're saying, we're going to not do anything until harvest comes, yeah. and then we'll get back in. We're going to bow out, stay out of this, and see what happens, because it's so volatile and uneasy, and you know we just don't know what's going to happen. We don't want to take that much risk. Whether we've got the money to risk or not, it's, it's, it's a dangerous area right now. Yeah, and the problem is, like we've talked earlier, it, it's gone so far, uh, they are doing technical damage now. Yes. You know, th they're not really, in my opinion, following the fundamentals right now mm -hmm. because, like you said earlier, they think everything's fine. Right. Beans need to be in that August to September window. Right. And then there may be issues. Now, corn's a different story, though. We're at the, the last week of July. Corn's going to start to show some, some yield drag yeah. if we don't get rain in certain areas. Right. So the corn market may come alive before the soybean market. Does. And it should. Yeah. Now, probably the wheat market will be the first term, mm -hmm. then corn, and then probably soybeans. Yes. But, you know, it, it's just, I mean, you think about what these folks have spent for inputs, mm -hmm. and every single day they're losing yield now, and this crop is getting very expensive mm -hmm. because the yield may not be there. To offset these expenses. That's correct. Now, like I say, on my way over here, I was really thinking how we're going to get our rains in August. We need our August yeah. rains. Yeah. To help finish crops. I know, and and we don't have the perfect system here. I mean, I try to explain to people. Yes, we're a little bit more resilient than our neighbors can tell mm -hmm. by maybe two weeks. But when you get 95 degrees plus with no rain for for four or five weeks. Every system's going to take its toll. That's right. It's all going to take stress. It's all going to take stress. Yes. But and you've not had much rain here on this this no. field right here. We're in on this field here. We've had an inch and an inch and four tenths in five weeks. Right. And you're probably hotter this year in oh. that five weeks than you've been normal. Would yes. that be a fair statement? Yes. Very okay. fair. That's that's what Today I was. Today was ninety plus. Right. Yesterday was ninety. We got nineties for the next four or five days. Um, yeah. We, we we have been very dry but but you know what i like about this john i want to i want to bring up a little bit of soil here and i want to bring up a soybean plant and i want you to look at this look at this guy yeah look at that plant yeah that's nice i gotta get my glasses on rick yeah see it better we well, see i want you to look at this yeah look at that i mean look at the aggregate stability we got we've not had any rain here 
except an inch and four tenths in five weeks. And I mean, it's not mud, but look, I can form that in my hand. That's how much moisture we've got. And then I want to point out the nodulation. Yeah, that nodulation. This. You, you're, this, right, it's working. This is unbelievable. Can you, is that in, Rachel, is that in view? Yep. This is, and I just dug him up right now, and I didn't do anything special here. Now, we've lost a lot of our root system here because I yanked it out pretty quick. But look at the nodulation, and then look at what we've got on these beans. I mean, look at all these pods. Look how close the nodes are stacked to each other. We've got a whole new growth on top coming. I mean, I, 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 this is what makes me so happy right here. This is what it's all about. That's good. I don't know what these beans are going to yield, um, but I think 30s in the cards for sure. I would think better than 30. Yeah, I would think. Now, we need another couple of rains, no yep. doubt about yep. it. Yep. But, folks, a lot of this, too, is from that rhizobia we were talking about. Uh, again, what's the company? Uh, Visijon. Visijon. Yeah. There are the folks that have the red and white bag. It says Pete on it. It's Omri approved. Um, it's all ready to go. Talk to your certifying company. Make sure it's a go, but it will be. Uh, they'll send you out a certificate. But I'm very, very pleased with what, what I see right there. Mm -hmm. Tell me, what, what, what do you think, John? Yeah, no, I do like it. Uh, very healthy. You know, you don't see any bugs or anything. Mm -hmm. I don't know if there's any in the area. You know, typically we're not quite to the bug time for beans, but we're getting close. Not yet, uh, but we're getting there uh, potentially. But, you know, if you've got healthy plants, obviously the bugs don't like to come to the healthy plants. Yeah. They, they like they like the plants that are sick. That's exactly uh, an right. issue. It's, it's no different than a lion out in Africa. They're going to get the sick gazelle and the, and the other one won't get caught. That's exactly right. So you're same thing here, but this is very healthy. Yeah. Now, here's something else I want to talk about. Um, this is what I've been saying now. This is what I've seen the change, the biggest change on the farm. Rachel, is all this good? Okay, this is what I want people to understand. When you start building soil health, uh, you can see all the wormholes going yeah. through this chunk yes. right here. It's unbelievable. But anyway, when you start to go down the soil health journey, you want aggregates to build. That is getting these pieces of dirt. And when you get these aggregates like this, you create pore space. And what I've seen change on the farm, John, in the last two years is our aggregate stability has been in the top two inches. We've now gone to six inches plus. I just dug this piece up. And I mean, the what, I can't even get it into my hand without it crumbling. And we haven't had any rain, or we've had an inch and four tenths in five weeks. Yes. So this right here is where, to me, you really start to crank. Because when you think about everything that's going on, I'm not a biologist, I'm not an, a, a, a chemist, I, I'm not any of that. But I do know that what this system needs is as much sugar as we can get pumped into the ground mm -hmm. and as much oxygen. And when you have aggregate stability like this, you've got a lot of pore space, you can hold a lot of oxygen. Because you have to remember, this system is living and breathing. Yeah. So oxygen in, carbon dioxide out. It's just like anything else. So when you can get to this point, now 
your water infiltration rates go up, your water holding capacity goes up. John, we had the Indiana State Soil Health Specialist here last year. She went around and she sampled four or five fields on our farm and she took um, water infiltration rate tests. Mm -hmm. And the average score on those five fields was 20 inches an hour. Wow. 20. Then she did earthworm counts. The average earthworm count in a, she took a, a six inch by six inch by six inch cube and lifted it out of the ground and, and put it on a tarp and broke it open. Mm -hmm. 24 worms in that six by six by six cube, the math works out to 1.6 million worms per acre. Well, that's what you've got to get happening so that you can get this. Yep. Yep. I mean, look at the nodulation yeah, on that. Very good nodulation. Yep, the plant's healthy. Plant's healthy. You know, I, I don't know what it's gonna yield, but here's what I do know. We've got $300 or less invested in this crop. And that's everything. Yep. So this is what I get so excited about. Now, I do want to point out one thing. When you are in this system, you notice how far, I mean, the ground was about, about right here. Mm -hmm. You see how far we've stretched? This bean is trying to get out of what we're planted it in. The cover. Yes. The cover, yes. So biomass. So everything at, from down here, see the cotyledons were probably right here, right here. They've fallen off. That first node hit here. But now that that plant has established itself, look how stacked the nodes are now. Now they're about an inch apart. This is what you want. And again, I don't know what that's going to make. It, it's, it's a long way from home or I mean a long way from the finish line. We need a couple more rains, but I'm, I'm very pleased, very pleased. Well, what else do we want to talk about? I got you all the way from Iowa here. What else are we going to talk about? Well, you had mentioned we have to talk about organic. Yeah. yeah and what's going on in the organic Yes, industry. let's talk about organic, right? Yes. There's been, um, there's been some, uh, some press about India. Uh, I have not dug very deep into this. But, but what I do know is that, that India has been, I don't know if cheating is the right word, but they're, they're bringing in some crops that, that are not organic, but yet somehow when it crosses the Atlantic, the manifest changes to organic, the beans that come in or whatever the crop is, well, they've been caught. So they, it put the, mark, the industry put a freeze on, on any imports from India, right? Mm -hmm. Well, now what I've been reading is that they are going to accept if the inspectors uh, or the certifying agencies are going to come from the United States. So they will send somebody over to India and then they will say if the, if the crop is organic or not. So what do you know about this? I've heard some of the same thing. Okay. You know, and so, um, you know, that, that importation or stopping of importation is, is, uh, you know, propped up, our market. up the market, um, you know, and what it did is it, had a lot more producers this year put soybeans in yeah. and less corn in. Yeah. Uh, you know, so th there's a lot more acres of organic soy 
than there was last year and less of the corn side from what I've seen. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I think that the market um, will, will rebound down from where we were high at. And we've had some high levels, obviously, that we've been talking about. Yeah. Uh, but I think we're going to come down some. But we aren't going to go down to the level we were two years ago. So we're going to be somewhere in between as well. We'll still be in the 30s. I somewhere. think we're going to be in the 30s. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And then, you know, if, uh, I mean, the weather's affecting the organic growers as well. That's correct. So if there's a shortfall of, of organic soybeans, probably start to move a little higher. Could. Could move higher. We got to see where that crop is. Yeah. And there are some good beans. And obviously, we know there's good crops in a lot of places. Um, you know, an example... We had some peas in near our plant in Harold last year, the plant in Harold, mm -hmm. and and a really good producer, he got zero bushel, yeah, and he averages between fifty five and sixty. Well, this year he's going to be more towards normal, so obviously that area is picked up. But there's some areas that have issues, you know. So one of the biggest states that I've seen that has some of the most issues is Nebraska. Now, obviously, I've seen that you guys are drier, and Nebraska has been hit by a lot of hail, a lot of damage, um, lost a lot oh, of seed corn fields. Um, you know, there, if you, if you go down the interstate, you'll see all the pivots upside down. Oh, you no. Know, yeah. So there's just been a lot of damage in that area from, um, what's the town? Uh, I just was out there about four weeks York ago. Is York. York, York, York is really bad. Going west 40 miles. It's bad. Every pivot is wheels straight up in the air, flipped over upside down. Yeah. It's crazy. And of course, you know, they had to react. So the farmers went out and just planted around all those pivots that are down yeah and now there's no way they're going to be able to get those pivots running no so now they're dry land all across all those acres yep there's dry land there so i would say that they will not produce what they're normally used to producing no. and i do think there's quite a bit of seed corn that maybe got wiped out too so you know there's bad areas and then we look and there's some good areas too and iowa looks really good uh, a lot of illinois is pretty good yep. you're, you're drier over here yeah obviously um, Wisconsin's got some pockets that may not be as good. Minnesota's off and on. A lot of cold weather to start with. Uh, what I see is everything is delayed uh, anywhere from two to three weeks from normal. And that's even in the South. Yeah. Even in the South, they've been delayed getting in. So, you know, we're going to be, um, you know, we're going to be a little later on harvest and crop this year than normal new crop time. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And this week, John, I, I, was, I was in Springfield, Illinois. And then I drove to Memphis, Tennessee, and then drove home. And I'm going to tell you, in that journey, so that's 74 to Champaign, to Interstate 72, to, to Springfield, and then 55 straight to Memphis, I saw some of the best crops in the country, probably, on that diagonal that I took. Mm -hmm. Then I get home, and I go east, so go further away from Illinois. And the crops don't look very good. Right. So it doesn't take very long to get away from a good area to find a batter. Right. But it's no different than anything else like we're trying to do. What's the average going to be at the end? What is That's all correct. that going to add up to? That's it. Are we going to have enough beans? Right. Yeah. That's what it adds up to. Well, what else about organic? Can you give us some insight on, I mean, what are you hearing? What are you seeing? Uh, beans, corn, what do you think? Well, I think that we, we have a little less uh, acreage of organic based on the prices on the conventional side have come up. Mm -hmm. So you had some guys that maybe rotated out of their organic. They cleaned up the field. They didn't want to put the effort in as much. Yep. So they cut down on that amount of production and maybe went into some conventional or some chemical use. 
So I think we've brought down the acres, but I see that, you know, if you look at, um, you know, the you know, money coming in, the money's coming in towards organic ground and organic production. And there's people wanting to buy land and produce organically and do a lot of it regenerative. Yeah. And, um, you know, whatever reason they have for doing that, they are doing that. And so we've had a lot of contact with, you know, groups that want to do that and they want markets, obviously. And, and uh, those are the kind of markets and growers that we're trying to, that try to get. Yeah. Too. You know, See, but we, we, we take every grower. We take growers from 20 acres all the way up to thousands. But are you seeing, though, that, that the person that you're selling that soybean to or that pea to, mm-hmm. are you seeing now that those folks care about regenerative and that they want to build some kind of a program that you, co- you come to, to us with it? Hey, Rick, do you want to grow some soybeans for so-and-so? And here's their, their program. Is that right. happening? That's happening right now. Okay, so are you letting each individual company come up with their own, let's call it rules or bylaws of what regenerative means? Yeah, we're, 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 they're letting us know what they'd like to have. Okay. So then we're trying to fit producers with the, the rules or the requests that they want of the product. Okay. So, yes. so I'm assuming, I'm making an assumption here, but I'm assuming that all of these companies they probably have little variations but they probably all follow the four main principles of soil health yeah i would say a lot of them are following that they know that this is a new shift right so it's no different than you you're a pioneer of this right and so they're pioneers on some of this you know on what the requests are so they're going to be a little bit open sure let's hear how we can do it and then bring it along so yeah there's more and more that are wanting that there's more and more labels that want that. So, we, you know, we're trying to make sure the label gets what they want yeah. and try to see if it can be done. And, and obviously there are producers that want to try to do it. Uh, this, is, this is great. I mean, um, you've got and you're going to get more and more end users coming yes. to, the, to the table and saying, John, help us build this contract. Or A, John, can do you know enough producers in your pipeline that can do this correct correct and then you might say you know what that's a little harsh let's take let's tone that down a little bit you know whatever you can right. help tweak that yes yeah no that's going to be it i think that'll be the norm uh in the future you know 10 years ago i thought that every field would have a certain purpose mm-hmm. you know whether it's ethanol or whether it's soybeans for this food or for this oil, for meal, or whatever it is, or the dairy, mm-hmm. you know, I thought there was a permit. I think we're getting that faster, and, and maybe it was a little. I was a little quicker than what it was going to be, but I think we're getting there. Yeah, and it's going to be that. And I think over the next five years, it's even going to be more important, and more of that's going to happen. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I, I agree. Um, the consumers in charge. Of course, the consumers always in charge. Yes, and the consumer today cares about where their food's coming from, yes. how it's being not only grown, but how it's being processed. Correct. You know? Uh, Guys our age, not as much. Right. But the new generation. 30-year-olds. Yep. Your oh, daughter. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They care. Yep. She and cares. they care what they feed their children. Right. That's correct. So it's, you know, and, and John, this is what I love about we're sitting in a bean field. Yep. It's peaceful. You can hear the birds in the background. I can see bees all over this, all over this blooming down. Yes. The camera can't see it, 
They're here. But this is what it's all about. This is what it's all about right here. Yeah. Yes. You don't yeah. get much better than this. No. That's why I told you we had to do it out in the field. Well, I, <laughs> it's awesome. Thank you. You're exactly right. Um, you know, is there anything else we need to touch on here? We can we can head to the home stretch here. I mean, yeah. what, what do you think? Yeah, if there's questions. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I can't see the screen, and I, I need to get uh, – no, no, oh, no, no, I'm getting no questions. Okay, that's fine. Uh, I, well, we're doing a good job then. It must be. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, we'll let that motorcycle go by again. It's hard to see out here in the wide open. Uh, well, I'll tell you what. Let's just let's just wrap up. Uh, give us some closing thoughts. What didn't we touch on? What do you think about the future? Uh, just take us home. Yeah, I mean, you know, really in the future and, in, in, you know, where I think it's going to go is organic's going to be here to stay. And a lot of people have asked, you know, and asked me on a regular basis, is organic going to stay? I think it is. And I think, you know, the, the generation uh, below us uh, is going to make that stronger and there's going to be more and more demand all the time. Um, you know, I'd like to see more organic production in the U.S. and less from the other countries. Obviously, that takes work. Um, it's an effort. Organic is never easy. We always talk about that. And anybody says, well, John, I want to get into organic. What's, it's, it's not easy. It's, no. it's tough. And, and there's growing pains to do it. You know, and obviously we do um, try to connect growers with other growers to help them get through that. But again, it's not easy and it takes a lot of work. But, you know, I think it's going to benefit. And, and I think that, you know, we're going to continue to, to get the demand. We're going to get the demand that wants specific things. And we're going to be looking as, a, as an end processor. And, and we help make food, too. We design food. We have a, a team in Minneapolis that makes products. Sure. You know, and so as they get called by Pepsi or Coke or whoever it is, it says we need these products. You know, you, you we're going to help make that and help design them for them. And then we're going to look for producers that can do it. Yeah. And so we're looking for more and more producers all the time, uh, more and more acres all the time. And we're on a fast demand curve and uh, just trying to make sure that we can supply it. And uh, we want to do it in the U.S. as much as possible and not in other countries. No, we appreciate that. And, um, you know, we really want to support the U.S. producer and uh, we appreciate them. Yeah. You know, we're, we're not perfect like anybody probably. Yeah. Uh, but we want to, you know, to get them there and help them get there and everybody work together and, and produce a lot of good stuff. Yeah. And I'll tell you one thing I want I want to go back and talk about that we haven't talked about yet. We kind of have, but we haven't. What I like about purists is you guys do what i call close the loop that's okay? great yeah because <clears throat> excuse me here's what i mean by that you've got the genetics or that pea or that soybean you then go out and find that producer that fits your model mm -hmm. you then supply that producer with the genetics you buy that 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 finished product from the producer mm -hmm. comes to your facility you process it you market it in different ways, mm -hmm. and it's then delivered to the consumer. That is a closed loop. Talk about being able to track your product all the way to the end. Right, yeah. That yeah. has to make yeah. a Pepsi company of sorts very, very happy. Yeah, it does. It helps them understand exactly where it came from, yeah. where it was produced, what farm it was on. Um, and we can go lot by lot. So we're keeping you primarily as an individual through the process. Yeah. We're not throwing a whole bunch of them out in the big bin. I mean, we've done a little of that, but we typically try to bring everything in lot by lot. 
yeah. grower by grower and, and that and that grower and that grower makes this lot of product that goes into this product so we could track and trace and, and know where all the product goes and what food it goes into okay so let, let's just stay here i mean this is opening up some more thoughts from, uh, i've got okay so let's go with a producer that is more on the regenerative type of farming mm -hmm. versus a producer that maybe is still doing a lot of tillage and doing some other things do you see and are you tracking do you see a difference in nutrient density from one farming practice to another are you seeing that we're seeing a little of that we've been looking at it a little bit but not as heavy as we should uh -huh. um we do um nir tests okay. all of the grain coming in mm -hmm. so we know and and we know you know what you more are are, are producing uh, on those attributes than others are so we know what comes off your farm more than others now obviously attributes change because of weather sure because of um, conditions nutrition um, and just the overall year sure and so it can vary a lot on a farm in any part of a farm but we have and know you know which producers tend to do more and better than others in those nutrition side and and i think you know have we uh you know proved it's more regen or not regen not totally but I think we're getting there and we're going to do yeah. more and more of that all the time. But I think your, your, your end user is going to demand that more and more. Yeah. They're going to keep asking. Yeah. As we continue to get more and more of knowing exactly where it's coming from, they're going to ask more right. of us because then they can go to the consumer and guarantee them a, a more nutrient dense product. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Or a certain protein or, or a certain amount of fiber yeah. or whatever. Yeah. 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 So, you know, I, 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 I try to talk about my health a little bit more because I think it's important to understand, you know, what's happened with my health is a, is a direct correlation of what's happening to the health of the soil. Mm -hmm. But, you know, with the diabetes, John, I simply ate and drank myself into the type 2 diabetes, you know, Mountain Dew and Snicker bars and all this stuff you love. Right. But man, I did it. I mean, when I was home, Carol takes so good care of me. She she gives me the balanced diet I need. She cares about the food that I eat. She's always looking for organic products. But then when I'm on the road or it's I'm somewhere, it's hard. It is that. Well, I've now I've developed type two diabetes, but with sticking to Carol's diet and doing what I can to eat better on the road, I can control my a1c and my my glucose levels with just diet and a little bit of exercise yep the same thing's happening out here yes i'd say we're we're pretty healthy here yeah yeah the other crops healthy. i mean this looks good i'm very pleased with this some people are going to look at this and say this is a disaster right there's some cover there but, but it's some of your biomass it, it's it's okay yeah we're okay now we still need a couple showers to get us to the finish yes. line but by golly we've got a heck of a start yeah so anyway, well, John, I can't, you know, I can't thank you enough for coming. I, I really do like your company. It's family owned. I mean, Nicole is wonderful. Uh, Tyler, all the Jordan, all these people are within the family. You know, you are there. Um, Jerry started this whole thing. That's correct. And I think Jerry stepped back just a little bit. Well, I have went back into research. He's back into that's research. His, that's his passion. He's probably having more fun doing that. <laughs> um, and yeah. I, I was able to come uh, this winter. I met with you and Jerry in Oskaloosa. We talked about uh, the breeding program. We talked about the ideas that I had.
had on on doing this corn with the peas. Um, it, it's all it's all been a great relationship, and it's only going to get better. So yeah, we appreciate I, you. I thank you for making the drive out. Yeah, thank this you. It's been great. Yeah, to thank you very much. In the field. In the field. We had to do the field. Thank you. <laughs> and I want to I want to put this bean back up again one more time. I just I, I mean this is just where this makes me so happy. Um, that's what it's all about. So, folks, thank you. See you next time. Everybody have a great week. Thank you. Bye-bye.